Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 46 of Bleeding Blue, and OTAs are officially underway. Today, we are going to talk about some early OTA storylines, possible future camp competitions, and I would really like to talk about the Jets and how they are not much different than the Giants, and David is probably really going to disagree with me. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. Short and sweet intro today, David. That was nice. That was real nice. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that you name dropped me. You don't usually name drop me in the intro. I, I do. No, you don't. I do. David, I, I have to tell you what. I've been getting some Twitter DMs saying that, not, not say, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, paraphrasing, and I'm reading in between the lines that you're the favorite Bleeding Blue co-host over me. That's because the listeners are intelligent. Wow. Wow. Well, they just they're they're tired of your hating. They're they're tired of your pessimistic I know everything attitude, Mr. I can't stand Dave Gettleman because he's arrogant. You know what? You know what, David, you caught me red-handed. I'm I'm but I'm I'm a hater. I mean, that's just basically what it comes down to. I hate the Giants. I want them to lose. No. No. <laughs> and the only no. thing worse than a hater is a hypocrite, and you're both of those things. Wow. Oh, that if no, if there's I'm one coming thing, in firing. I'm coming if there in firing. is if there is one thing that I am not, I am not a hypocrite. The same with Dave Gettleman thing. I don't know. A little bit. A little bit. How am I a hypocrite with Dave Gettleman? Tell me. Tell me this right now, David. What is your what is your least favorite thing about Dave Gettleman? And I guarantee you, if I go back, if if we have a some lovely listener go back in all of our archive and listen to every episode since Dave Gettleman has began press conferences, your number one complaint no. has been has been that he's the he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And oh no, I thought you were going to say his accent, which I'm like, I love his accent. On, you'll put on your ridiculous Boston accent that changes from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. And you're damn right. You'll make fun of him talking about how he's the smartest guy in the room. Well, he does have the smartest guy in the room complex. You recognize that. I do. <laughs> I just think you need to take a look, little look in the mirror. I, oh, look, I'm just, oh, I'm just. Oh, you're calling me the smartest guy in the room. Well, no, I'm calling you the self-proclaimed smartest guy in the room. Oh, that's oh. difference. But I'm um, cha. Wow. That was yeah. a good one. Thank you. That was a good one. Thank you. I love that. You're, you're, geez, I try to come out here and give you compliments and you're throwing darts. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just confirming, I'm helping you understand why you're getting the reaction you're getting. Well, I'm not getting, I'm not being called a fucking idiot or a fucking. Didn't say that. Not, I, I said it. I'm just saying, I think, I, I think maybe the viewers see me as refreshing. Well, you are you are refreshing because in a, in a world watches us. in a world full of negative giants, people who cover the giants, which is not true. There's so many positive people. There's too many positive people. Absolutely, in my I agree with you. It's too many positive people. Well, something that I don't like is that if you are negative, so Matt Lombardo, Jordan Ronan's been getting this. Matt they call, you're called a. Did I say his name wrong? 
You what did you say, say his name? Pat Leonard? I said Matt Lombardo. Who did you say? Pat Leonard. Oh, Pat Leonard. Oh, Pat oh fuck no, fuck that guy. I don't want to hear. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to talk about him. You want to talk about a hypocrite. Pat Leonard is a hypocrite because now is before he was like all full anti trade old Odell Beckham Jr. But then after they actually traded him and, and in a way he was right, he was like, oh, why did the Giants do that? Well, that, you want to talk about a hypocrite. But anyway, the, these guys that are critical of the team, they're called like bloggers. You know, like they're they're just given that little even though they do it for their jobs. They're like, oh, uh, these these lazy bloggers. It's like, yeah, these Giants beat reporters are being called like fat and lazy Gary Sanchez over here. <laughs> I can't stand. I love oh, my so, Gary Sanchez. By the way, uh, well, I just want to clear up really something really quick. Um, Justin, I think you're wonderful. Thank you. I, I do. I do think you're wonderful. Listeners, I think Justin is wonderful. I don't want to have this misconception that Bleeding Blue podcast gets off the air and just spends the next 25 minutes cursing at each other. And oh no, because we because we get so much money from this, David. Oh, we're, yeah. we're like we're like the Eagles. We get so much money for this, but we fucking hate each other. But we do it for the money. That's that's why we're in this. Seriously, I mean, are you going to tell them about the Nike sponsorship, or do you want me to introduce it? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play an advertisement right now from Phil Knight, who actually <laughs> sent an audio clip to me. He's gonna advertise <laughs> the newest pair of Jordans. Ready? I'm gonna play that now. Click. No, no, I spend a lot of money on this podcast. Not not a lot. I spend a decent amount of money on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm not, a, and I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not a bad guy. Violin. All right, relax. Yeah, you know, again, I'm. I'm just. I'm just boosting my own ego over here. That's what I do. That's what yes, I do. Someone's All right. Do yes, pff, someone's got to do it because I know you, hell, hell, you ain't gonna do it. <laughs> Very true. I just want to uh, point out one thing. I'm go- I'm I'm gonna date and time. Uh, I'm I'm going to allow the listeners to know exactly when we're recording this. Oh, okay. Um, just got a little Bleacher Report update. I know you hate Bleacher Report. Relax. Yeah, national um, media. Ugh. Labor Torres hit his ninth home run against the Orioles. Oh, that was that happened like a half an hour ago. It David. happened like seven minutes ago. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? All right. Uh, in my brain, that happened a half an hour ago. All right. Um, hey, remember when we made that bet of I think I'm going to do the milk challenge if Curtis Riley makes the Raiders roster? Yes. Okay. So I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know if we told the listeners that. Uh, I don't know if that was on a podcast or not. It might have been before. It was on Twitter. It was definitely on Twitter. And there's definitely there was definitely a screenshot of it. Now, if he makes another pro roster, I don't have to do the milk challenge. But if he makes the Raiders, I have to do the milk challenge. Fair? <laughs> Fair? No, 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 no. Any any NFL team. You said that Curtis Riley needs to be hurled into the sun. I well, think I, that yeah, means... I I know he technically was because isn't like Vegas the second closest thing to the sun on planet Earth? That is what you said. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I consider I would, that a win. And I think you're actually I think that's a misnomer about Las Vegas. It's actually not nearly that hot in Las Vegas. It's uh, you. It's a lot. It would be if it would be a lot hotter in uh, Glendale, Arizona. But also, Vegas is metaphorically hot because there's a lot of hot. There's a lot of hot things going on. Bleeding blue after dark here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right. So now that we've wasted uh, how many minutes? How now that we've wasted seven and like seven and a half minutes of time, David? How are you? How are you doing today? What's your brain like entering into this space? I'm well. Happy to be recording. It's been a little while. This is the first episode, and I would say probably about a month, maybe more than that, that I'm actually recording at my house. Wow. Um, it's very exciting. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. These kids are wearing me out. And as some listeners might know, I'm teaching right now. So the kids are getting ready to uh, be done with the school year and we still have a month left. So it's, it's great. I'm good. I'm tired though. They kill me. I'm sleeping on a couch for the next 10 days. Why? My lease for my new apartment doesn't open up till June 1st. So I'm sleeping on a couch. Eh, is it a comfortable couch? I mean, it's a comfortable couch. It's just that I trying to save my friends. Like they have to pay utilities and they have to pay for like power and everything and stuff like that. So I'm trying to save their utility bill, but they came a point at like 2 AM. I'm like, I got to turn this AC on. I can't do it. Oh yeah. I can't do it. So I turned it on and then maybe about, maybe about an hour later I fell asleep. And then I woke up at 6 AM. Leading blue listeners. Justin Pennick has spent the first 12 minutes of this podcast trying to explain to you why he is the greatest man on the face of the planet. I, I mean, I don't, I, I think I honestly have spent 46 episodes trying to explain why I'm the greatest person that's ever lived. It's true. I, and, and you know what it's gotten you? Nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. I was going to A podcast that earns no revenue. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, um, so let's Should let's get into yeah. I'm gonna get into housekeeping things. I'm let's, gonna get into let's, housekeeping let's things, and, and let's 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 waste some more time. Uh, follow us on the twitters if you really want the the egotistical content we're giving you right now. Um, follow David on Twitter at David Double Underscore Powers. Follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 Follow the podcast at Bleeding Double Underscore Blue, where I retweet myself and I give myself more likes. Um, <laughs> That's what it bas- that's what it basically serves as. Um, sub- <laughs> subscribe on Spotify um, or follow on Spotify. We are on Spotify. We are on TuneIn Radio. We are on SoundCloud. We are on the Apple Podcast app. Give us a five star rating on the Apple Podcast app. We are up to forty four, which is wonderful. Even if you have left one before, this is an important note. Even if you have left one before, even if you have written a review before, and it's been a while. Leave another one so your rating is refreshed. Tell me how I'm a terrible guy, how David is a great guy because he's a lot more positive. I'm not that negative. I've been trying to be more positive. You have to give me some more credit. But just say that I'm a negative guy. David is such a positive guy. David is such a great guy. Um, Tell us who your um, breakout star is going to be for the Giants this year. Tell tell us a hot take. Tell me Daniel Jones is going to start week one. So, um, yeah, but no, really. I want to thank everyone who is listening right now, um, who has listened, who has followed along. Last episode, our conversation with the guys from NYG Underground was our highest played episode yet. We broke our 48-hour listening record, and the feedback has been awesome as well, too. Um, The biggest way you can help us grow is by following us on Twitter and the five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app, and tell your friends as well, because telling your friends is fun. Friends are fun. Communication is fun. Um, we are pumped for an awesome summer and what will hopefully be an awesome season for the New York football giants. So, David, I got to say you... really quick. Okay, go I got to make ahead. fun of that. Yeah. So, towards the end of that, you sounded like Mike Francesa reading an advertisement. Oh, I did? Because I yeah. was reading from my computer. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I just. I was just waiting for you to start talking about the Sloman Shield. <laughs> oh, I, I can sing it for you. Want me to sing it? No, it's okay. Don't worry about Shield it. Shield your home with, Sho- with I got it fucking wrong. See, I said <laughs> showman shield. Is it showman? Sh- I got Sloman. it right. 
Sloman. Oh, I just, that was none of the above. No, oh my god, you were very wrong. Just, just let's just ignore that. Let's, let's go ahead. see. I'm not getting paid for that, so I don't know. I, I it's not written down on the computer. Contact me, uh, Schloman Shield, if you want to sponsor this podcast. All right, David, what do you want to get into first? Um, I think. All right, I have a hot take. I have a hot take, right, and anyway. that's that's what uh that's what this episode that's what these episodes are for that we have to search for things to talk about. I want. And I, my father has a saying. My father has a saying. He says, it's good to want. You've heard me say that before. Yes. And then you asked, is that it? And I said, yes, that's it. But it's good to want. But I want Daniel Jones to start week one. I am on that train right now. Choo-choo. What do you think about that? Do you want my reaction? Okay. Yes, I want your reaction. Um, I get it. I do. Uh, it's a pipe dream. I hope you know that. It's not going to happen. I understand. I know what your argument's going to be. It's going to be because, well, the, the, the value of the sixth overall pick should mean that he starts week one. That's not how the NFL works. It's not how I sound. Mm. That's exactly that's, what I would say. <laughs> that's not how the NFL works necessarily. That's not how this organization works, which we can get into an issue. We can get into an argument if you think that's an issue of organizational structure and the way they operate. We've talked about that enough. Yes. Personally, I think it makes complete sense. And I've been saying this for quite some time. You know, as everyone knows, I'm much more of an Eli supporter than you are. Not to say that you wish Eli poorly. I'm sure if he started, if he started, you'd love to see him throw for 5,000 yards this year. But I've been saying since the middle of last season, once you could tell that last season was a wash and just wasn't going to, wasn't going to pan out. My, my hope was take a quarterback in this draft. Eli starts this year. You ride Eli as long as far as he can take you. If that's too competitive football again, then you ride him into that. If that's to a 0 and five start, a two and seven start, then maybe you pull the plug on it. I see nothing. I see no problem with allowing Daniel Jones to sit for a little while. I'm not ruling out him playing this year. I got no problem with plays this year. I think to push him to play week one could be detrimental. You know. There are tons of stories of quarterbacks who probably started before they were ready. And it really can psychologically mess with you. And it can it, it can stunt your growth as an NFL quarterback. It can do a lot of damage. And furthermore, for an already unpopular pick, by and large an unpopular pick, I don't think the Giants organization is stupid enough to trot him out there week one Throw him to you know, throw him to the wolves against the Cowboys in Dallas. He'll get eaten alive. But let's be honest. But I so, think I'm a I'm the type of fan, and I and I agree. There the 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 heathens that are Giants fans right now that criticize the Daniel Jones pick. No matter what, they're going to come out. This is not a hot take, but Daniel Jones is not going to come out. No matter when he starts, he's not going to come out and set the world on fire. A Pat Mahomes is extremely rare. And Andrew Luck, a guy that's coming out and he's thrown for a lot of yards. I mean, even Andrew Luck didn't have like the bet, the greatest rookie season, except he did break the touchdown record at the time. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was it's he, it's the sophomore through fourth season that's been the yeah, problem. And that and that's and well not really because he's all, still he's still produced, he's still produced very well. And that's my overall point is that you look at these quarterbacks in their second year. And this is why the Giants fans that are jumping on Sam Darnold right now. Oh, you look at Saquon Barkley and you look at Sam Darnold. 
why would you ever judge a rookie quarterback after his rookie year? So you're jumping on Sam Darnold and saying how bad of a quarterback he is and how he didn't show anything his rookie year. Well, then guess what? If Daniel Jones doesn't show anything his first year that he starts, but you come out and say, oh, well, you have to wait and see. You have to wait and see. You want to talk about a fucking hypocrite, David. Yeah. That's going to be hypocritical. And there are a lot of fans who defend that Saquon pick and they say, you look at the production, Sam Darnold versus Saquon Barkley. Granted, it's there. Like Saquon Barkley, you know, for for a running back standard and then a quarterback standard, Saquon Barkley produced a lot more for a running back than Sam Darnold did as a quarterback. But I kind of rest my case. That's why it's so important, I feel, for Daniel Jones to play his rookie year and to play as much as possible because the more that he plays during his rookie year, the better he's going to be years two, three, four, and for the rest of his rookie deal, which is going to be so, so important for the Giants to do well under his rookie deal because you look at successful teams in the NFL and how well they've done with quarterbacks under their rookie deal, it's so, so important. So I think the sooner he plays, the better. This is not me saying that I want Eli to go out there and suck, that I want Eli to go out there and throw 10 interceptions in the first three games and we're to be 0-3 or 0-5. I want Eli because Eli gives us the best chance to win right now, in my opinion. Eli, I feel like he's going to look good. Eli has had some nice throws at, uh, in OTAs. He had a nice little throw to Sterling Shepard where he looked off a safety, and then he hit Sterling Shepard on a, either there was like a post route or a go route. He put a good amount of zip on the ball. So I hope Eli looks good. I hope we, now that we have the quarterback, I hope we go out and we win the Super Bowl. Like that's like last year I was conflicted. I was like, ah, you know, how many games do I realistically want to win when we don't have the quarterback? Well, we got the quarterback now. Let's fucking go. Let's try. But the more Daniel Jones plays, the better it bodes for the future. And that's why I am on the train of Daniel Jones starting week one. I say it partially as a joke because I know it's not realistic, but also at the same time, David, you meant you 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 mockingly made fun of my value comment, but it's true. It really is true. So, well, any other any other final comments on that before we before we? I want to talk about the Jets. I also think I think everybody is overlooking a very very important period of time. Everyone looks to OTAs, training camp, rookie camp, all of those time periods throughout the offseason. I guarantee you, this preseason is not going to look like previous preseasons with the Giants. You're going to, you know, we never saw, you didn't really see Kyle Loletta all that much. You didn't see Davis Webb all that much here and there, sparingly, not as much as you probably should have seen them, especially Loletta. We're going to see Daniel Jones, and we're going to see a lot of Daniel Jones. I hope. Well, and, and I think because of the way that the previous two backup quarterbacks were handled, I think Giants fans are overlooking preseason and the importance of preseason, both in Daniel Jones' growth, but also it'll give you a little bit of a window into how much leash is Eli going to have. Daniel Jones comes out and really looks competitive, granted against second-string defenses, maybe, you know, maybe even grabs to start and in in maybe they don't bother playing Eli in the fourth preseason game. And they give that game completely, which to, they never do. Yeah. They never, they never really play Eli. Maybe the, they, especially they, now, they, now that he's old, maybe they give that game to Jones from the start. He goes out there and really looks good against NFL defenses. You best believe by about week five or six, if Eli ain't producing preseason is going to creep back into management's mind. If he looks flat and like he's a he's a rookie he's a rookie 
you know, who, who needs some, needs some time, needs some work, then I think that window is going to be a lot, is it going to be a lot harder to open for Jones as the year right. goes on? So I, I think, I think right now it's, it's just too early. I think you and I can both agree. We're not going to see him week one. I would say right now, if I had to give it a, a take on it, I would say you could start making the argument that if the circumstances align correctly, barring an injury, obviously, if the circumstances align correctly, maybe you could start you could start talking about him week eight, nine, ten, halfway through the year. The the date that some Giants people have circled um, on the calendar is week seven against the Cardinals, which is a home game. Which oh, I would love to see that. I would love to be a, I would love to be in attendance for that. But at the same time, I would not like to be in attendance for that because then that means the football team isn't playing well. Yeah. But neither here nor there. I think the the ex and again, David, like the expectation. Now, now here, here's my here's my question. To you, I didn't want to spend this much time on this, but I guess we're going to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only our it's it's only our future franchise quarterback, and we have all summer to talk about other things. Um, what are you going to categorize as Daniel Jones looking good or being good? Because I look for different, I, like me being the smartest guy in the room. I look for different things in a quarterback than just like you know, you're just just the stat line, right? Obviously, completion percentage is something that's important, but you want to talk about Eli's completion percentage, you know, and you want to talk about yards per attempt. You know, you kind of combine those two things and they kind of play hand in hand with each other in a way. But if I see Daniel Jones in the preseason, like going through his progressions, going through his reads and looking off safeties, something that he didn't do a lot at Duke, if I see Daniel Jones at the line of scrimmage, pointing out the pointing out the mic, changing blocking assignments, changing changing shifts or whatever, 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 whatever. If, I, if you see that he's comfortable, that's more of an indicator to me that he's ready than necessarily if he puts up touchdowns and if he puts up a ton of yards. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. what am I? So what am I looking for? I agree. Although you know, to me. Changing blocking assignments, audibling at the line means nothing if you don't do anything with those blocking assignments. You don't do right. anything with those, you know, audible plays. Right. I think so, it just know, means like it's a it's a higher level of understanding. Yeah. He, he's he's intellectually grasping everything. Right. He's getting there. He's he's understanding what to look for, how to call it out. You know. Yeah. To be honest, and this this goes a lot in line with what I was saying about my player comp for him. And my, remind everybody who that was, Alex Smith. And my, who I also, from I've I've seen that I've seen Alex Smith now a couple of times creep into a couple of people say they have the player comfort as Alex Smith or Daniel Jones. I like it to be known I said it first. Yes, you did. Bleeding Blue podcast. You can check it. You can check the day versus anybody else who said it. I said it first. Regardless, I'm gonna let that go. And it also goes in in line with what I was saying about. This team is on a different is going in a different direction than people want to accept because they're not happy about it because it goes against the quote unquote trend. So if if Daniel Jones in preseason shows an ability to run the offense, and by run the offense, what I mean is you don't see touchdowns. I don't see I don't need to see a big play. I don't need to see I don't need to see necessarily point results, but I want to see the ability to make the plays that are there make the plays that are supposed to be there. You know, if it's second and four, 
Throw a four-yard dump-off pass. I don't care. It's a first down. It's a productive play. Because let's be honest. Remember what this team's personnel is. The team's personnel requires. It, it's not even so much geared towards. It requires that you know when and how to throw a dump-off pass. You know when and how to throw a four-yard dig. You know when and how to throw a slant across some kind of a crossing pattern. You you can run pick plays. You Everything is timing. How all of it works. The timing is there. So if he goes out there and they run a, you know, a seemingly unimpressive nine play, three first downs, you know, 42 yard drive that yields no points. I consider that a productive preseason drive for a rookie quarterback who we know possibly the knock is an inability to throw a deep ball. But this is a team that's got an inability to run the deep to, to throw a deep ball. Right. They don't they and don't he can. Have, they, he he per, can throw the deep he ball. He can, but but the knock on him coming out of college is the lack of the arm strength, right, which you right. hear now conflicting reports whether or not that's completely true. His arm looks better in person. I we we're not gonna know that until we know that. Right. So I would say, can he run the offense that is being designed around him? And that's something that I honestly think. Eli has done to the best of his ability, but gets knocked because once upon a time, the offense was a completely different, completely different concept. So we were used to Eli being a deep ball. He's a deep ball quarterback, kind of a gunslinger, and now he's the, he's a he's dump off. The, the offense has changed. The game's changed for Eli, and he's trying to fit into that into that um, play style. But people want want a different quarterback, but he's trying to ad- adapt his game. So I think I think it's very very specific that that there's specific plays I want to see Jones be able to pull off and specific situations I want him to be able to succeed right. in second and short third and third and medium because Lord knows we're going to be in a lot of third and mediums it's the it's the reality of the team I mean you would hope that and I think we did a better we did a much better job with this last year and Saquon really helped out with this is that how many times through years 2015 to two, to 2017, how many times were we in third and long situations because we couldn't fucking run the ball exactly for shit, you yeah. know? So we're looking at, oh, here's another here's another third and a manageable 11. Here's another third and a manageable seven. I would say it all the time at MetLife Stadium. I would say it sarcastically, where sarcastically, not Don't sarcastically. I didn't hear wow. it. I, I you didn't hear it? Even, I, you no, didn't I hear absolutely it? did. I, was trying I, to may, I, may, I, may, I may leave that in. I'm not even going to edit that. Um, just to show how much of an idiot I am. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there. How many times do we see third and fourth, third and two? And it was so nice. It was so yeah. refreshing. Um, so the reason why we bring this up is that if we if we do see these things from Daniel Jones, fans are going to look at that and be like, oh, he didn't score touchdowns. Oh, he didn't get enough yards. Oh, maybe the yards per attempt isn't what we want it to be. And there's going to be reasons to pick on him. But regardless, even though I'm a, even though I'm a big yards per attempt guy, where you know what, it should honestly be over six. It should honestly be over seven to be a successful quarterback in today's NFL. Even though I want that, to expect that much out of a rookie quarterback is foolish and it's idiotic. Yep. So I'm happy that we have the quarterback. I'm happy that we have the guy. Let's give him the time, and this is part of that process. So that's that. That's that. I want to move that. on. Move on then. I want to move on and talk about for a few minutes because this is a vague conversation that doesn't really 
it's not really, this is kind of like a bleeding blue before I went through my big change of I'm not going to, if I'm not really going to be here and I'm not going to yell in front of the microphone when there's no really reason to yell about football. It, that was post Odell trade. I got very upset after we signed Golden Tate and I, and I'm cool now. I'm cool now. And I started this whole analytical approach and let's talk about value and I'm proud of myself. And I think we've been really good since then, but we got to talk about the Jets. Okay. And good. the Jets are fucking idiots. Yep. Let's just first, let's just put that out there. Uh, a coach who, who has um, one playoff appearance, who lost that playoff appearance, and who has a um, under 500 record, won a stronghold. Yeah, it's not a stronghold. He won a stronghold with, uh, with, uh, the, uh, with an owner who knows nothing about football, who is learning football on the fly. And that's why he decided to fire the general manager that put hundreds of millions of dollars into a football team that drafted, hopefully, their next franchise quarterback, and he fired him before the season started. At least at least in Carolina, they had a reason to fire Gettleman because nobody liked him. They had <laughs> no reason here. <laughs> they had no reason here. And it, so... With the, all that being said, we could talk about all day. You know, this isn't this isn't a bleeding green podcast where, um, you know, we're talking we're really talking Jets here, but they're idiots, and I want to outline that. And it's not fair that they let this man build this roster, put hundreds of millions of dollars into this roster, put the future of the franchise at the helm, and not have this guy either reap the benefits of his fruit, fruit, or what are the opposite Ooh. of. I really can't speak today. Words are tough, Justin. Words are tough. Reap the benefits of his fruit or whatever the opposite of that is. What's the opposite of reaping the benefits of your fruit? Letting it go to shit. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, letting it spoil. Letting it spoil. Oh, see, David, David doesn't curse. So that's not fair. But if you stayed on to the until the end of the NYG underground um. I always say underworld, but it's NYG underground. If you stayed on to the end of that episode, um, Paul was talking about how Giants have a leaker. So that was closer to the draft. Giants have a leaker, but the Giants are run like a family business. And that is not very different than how the Jets are run. The Jets are run in an asinine way where both the head coach and the GM have like equal say in the owner's ear. So that's why Adam Gase won the stronghold. Adam Gase convinced that, hey, this guy isn't the right guy. He probably played a few rounds of golf with him. He was in his ear all offseason, and he won the stronghold, where this is actually this was actually pleasant news during Landon Collins was bashing Dave Gettleman week and old ex-Giants players bashing Dave Gettleman week. That's what I like to call this week. Dave uh, Landon Collins actually came out and said, Dave Gettleman never talked to any of us. Good. It's not what he's fucking paid to do. He said he came around and he shook our hands. He would say, good job, boss. Great. Front office guys, the GM reports to the owner. The coach reports to the GM. The communication beyond that shouldn't be that much. It's a chain of command. That's how football should work. But anyway, the way that the Giants are constructed and the lack of wanting to change the way that John Mara runs his organization does not differ that much from the Jets. And I don't really want to talk that much into it, but I want to just remind Giants fans to take a chill pill before you roast the Jets on being the Jets and doing Jets things. And while it's funny and while it's ha-ha, 
take a chill pill. That's my that's my overall point on that. Do you have any? Do you, do you want to laugh at the Jets? I mean, David? I love laughing at the Jets. <laughs> I, I seriously, I do. I, yeah, I I agree with you. Giants fans these days don't have much to laugh at Jets fans for. We're let's let's commiserate. Let's all get along. Let's understand that both organizations are running a sort of asinine way. The only difference is Giants fans have this made up in their head mystical belief of the way the Giants are run, whereas Jets fans know they're a joke. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? I mean No, you're right. Giants have won a couple Super Bowls, they think that they're run like, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, and they're not. Um they're a joke. And and when players leave the Giants, they often talk about the fact the Giants are run much more poorly than maybe to the naked eye they seem. I would like to take a little bit of a detour off of this, Justin. Let's do it. Just because you brought it up and it got me got me boiling boiling a little. My favorite Giants player over the last couple of years has been Landon Collins. Right. The man needs to shut the hell up. Because my God, for a tough, you know, one of the reasons I loved him, he was a thumper. He was tough, tough as nails, played hurt. A lot of people didn't want to give him that credit. You know, playing hurt in the in seasons that didn't mean anything and games that meant nothing in the rain. He was an all pro. Always giving get, giving everything he had. But now, does he not seem like the whiniest little child? That like I you thought I thought Odell was bad going on his Twitter rampages. But it is very clear Landon Collins is on the Redskins for one reason and one reason only, and that's to get back at the Giants. Oh well let's 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 clear that. Let's clarify this. He's on the Redskins because they gave him the largest contract a safety has ever gotten. So that's yes. one reason. <laughs> but let me let me ask you this. Let me let me based on the based on the way Landon Collins has spoke and his consistency in speaking and his consistent his desire to seemingly be in be in the limelight to talk about the giants it puts the idea in my mind similarly to the way that i view him which was always kind of team first i believe that he really is about the team he wants to win he wants to play football the right way i believe all he needed was the contract that that, that the redskins paid him more money than he was looking for they offered, oh, yeah. him, they offered him a contract that he wasn't even expecting. And of course, so of course you're going to take it. Mm-hmm. The Giants had offered him just what he was looking for. No, the Giants didn't offer him anything. If, no, that's what I'm saying. If they had, oh, okay. he would have signed. I fully believe that. I think, oh, he yeah. I think he would have passed up on it. He doesn't care about being a Washington Redskin. It's about the money. But in my opinion, I think the reason why, if it was a different team that offered him the money, he would have signed. He would have signed if there were two teams offering him the same contract. You know, equal the Redskins' contract. He would have picked the Redskins for one reason, one reason only, and that's because he's pissed off with the Giants. He yeah. thinks that by you know when he inevitably picks off Eli this year, that's going to be his you know his middle finger to Dave Gettleman and to you know to all the Giants organization. But God, like, just relax. He's making him. He's just making himself look very, very small. I don't know. It, it's it's a matter of, and I thought he was. I I just had this image of him as a player, which was more about you ain't got to be talking. When he was a giant, he really didn't he didn't do a lot of talking. That, that wasn't his mo. I mean, he talked about Eli Apple. That was his that was his most famous 
line, but why, what was his problem with Eli Apple? His problem with Eli Apple was, was he's, not lo- he's not locked in. He's not a good teammate. He's not about the team. Well, what the hell do you look like right now? Speaking right, of well, uh, well here, here, here's my breakdown of it. First of all, if Landon Collins' uh, marker of success this season is to beat the Giants, but then to just maybe get, you know, get an interception off Eli, beat the Giants, and what, his team's going to go out and win five games, and if he considers that a successful season, then this is the problem with players in today's NFL. That if you and consider I, that a marker just, of success... Just to clarify, I don't think that's what he's... I, I don't truly believe that he doesn't give oh, a shit. Oh, I, I honestly think that's part of it. Play. I think that's part of it. Don't get me he wrong. He's got he's got yeah. the two he's got those two weeks circled on his schedule. Let's be honest. And they're yeah, he, circled. And he said that. Which he's is got, he, he's got a Dave Gunnerman dartboard. I mean, he he's he's ready. He wants blood for, against the Giants, and I get it. I get the idea of you didn't pay me the money I think I deserved, or you didn't even <sighs> offer me a contract. I think that's the bigger thing. They didn't even offer him a contract. Yeah. Well, guess what? If Landon Collins was an ex girlfriend or an ex boyfriend, the Giants would they would have had to get. A restraining order against. I'm just gonna you know? say, <laughs> like they they would have they would have had to at this point because this is this is ridiculous and really it it lets you know that I'm not gonna say that you know this is the guy that Landon Collins always was and I think that's kind of your point that seeing him now and seeing the way that he's acting a lot of people a lot of people on Twitter are saying oh this is Dave Gettleman cleansing the Giants locker room and a part of it sure you want to say that but I really I really think that. Odo Beckham Jr., because of the actions that the Giants did against him, and because of Landon Collins, the the giant the action or the lack of actions that the Giants did with Landon Collins, it kind of opened up a new beast. And yes. it kind of opened up a uh what is it? What is it? Um, um uh, a Pandora's, Pandora's box. box. Pandora's box with them where they're just going bananas. Um, but the national media is loving it. Oh the yeah, national media and and also the Giants beat reporters too. Um, they're 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 loving it, and that pisses me off. Like it's just like, ugh, you know, let's just let's just talk football. So you want to know what, David? We're forty minutes in. Let's <laughs> actually talk football. No, we we talk football with Daniel Jones, but yeah. let's let's get to some. Um, we were going to talk about these things anyway, but I'm glad we got some responses from the. Oh, somebody just broke into a car here, and I hope it's not mine. <laughs> oh, it went off. The car one went off. That's okay. Um, means that they know how to shut the alarm off. Oh, I hope. I, I hope it's not my car. People have been known to break into cars around St. Joseph's campus. You know this, David. I know this. You know this, David. Um, I'm one of them. You're one. You're one of the people that broke into a vehicle. Edit that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Jesus! Coughing break. We got some Twitter questions this week, and we were going to talk about these things anyway, but I kind of want to give them a shout-out. Let's do it. Here we go. Three people. The two hosts from Talking Giants, Bobby Skinner NFL. Is that his Twitter? I think that's his Twitter name. And Danny Boy King. Danny King. Um, Do you listen to the Talking Talking Giants podcast? Uh, I have. I have. They're good guys. Also, uh, Gleyber Torres hit his 10th home run against the Orioles. You said that like 40 minutes ago. No, I said he hit his ninth. He hit another two tonight. Oh my god! What is wrong with him? Anyway, think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think we need to have him just stay in Camden Yards. Can we? Can can we put an application to kick the Orioles out of baseball, and we can have two home stadiums? Let's do it. We can yeah. play in Yankee Stadium, and we can also play in Camden Yards. Okay. I'm gonna kick the Orioles out of baseball. But uh, shout out to Talk of Giants. I like to consider that we're close friends. 
I like to consider that we're close friends. But um, Bobby Skinner, uh, Bobby Skinner NFL, Bobby Skinner NFL. I'm so good. Um, Bobby asked last week about the wide receivers. He said, which guy is the odd man out out of um, let's see if I can remember on top of my head out of Corey Coleman, Cody Latimer, um, Darius Slayton, Russell Shepard or Benny Fowler. So which guy is the odd man out? We have an insane amount of wide receivers on the roster right now. So he asked out of those five, which is the odd man out? Um, Danny Boy King initially asked about the cornerbacks, but I think he took it back and he asked about the linebackers, like which linebackers are going to really get the starting rotation. So we'll talk about that. And then Peter, my man Peter, who's been an awesome, awesome follower of mine, he asked this question that I actually have to look back on my phone for to see what he asked. And he (laughs) asked, who will win the number two cornerback job? So, David, where do you want to go first? Let's talk about the cornerbacks to start. Oh, I love talking about the cornerbacks. So maybe we'll go, who's going to get the number two cornerback job? And then we can get into what does the rest of the kind of like the secondary look like? Because um, instead of pick your poison, it's pick your treat. That it is. Pick your treat. So go ahead, David, pick your treat. Who's going to start at the, um, as of right now, as of OTAs, who do you think is going to start at the number two corner spot? There's two names. There's DeAndre Baker. There's um, Sam Beal. Pick your poison. Pick your treat. I think, I I think it'll be Sam Beal. From from what everything I've heard and seen, he's had an excellent OTA uh, OTA so far. Doesn't you know? Doesn't mean a lot. We're not we're not doing much, especially on the defensive end. They're really not. You know, you really you can't really see the physicality of these guys at this point yet. You can in the secondary, in it's a way. Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose they're both the ability to, to you know to to run, not just with, but run you know run the routes with the receivers. I suppose yeah, being, but, you could you could be physical in this. Yeah, absolutely, you know, seven on sevens. They don't these these cats don't mess around. I think Sam Beal. I think we forget how high everybody. Not just you know we're not just talking uh, beat reporters and 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 you know analysts watching game film the organization was extremely high on Sam Beal before his injury last year so I I think I think it's at least I think it's his to lose oh yeah he's entering OTAs and he's gonna be entering training camp no doubt as as Pennsylvania as the number two corner um I think he was he he was the number two corner at the start of OTAs I don't really think Baker can do enough to to unseat him not to say that i don't think he would deserve to be the second i just don't think i i, I kind of think it's like the you know there's levels to this and i think to be brutally honest regardless of who starts at the second corner we're gonna see all these guys and we're gonna see a lot of them mm-hmm. and they're gonna get shuffled around all year it, it's you know to, to kind of segue a little into into the linebacker situation it's the same situation at linebacker we're gonna be seeing the the Giants' defense this year is going to be defense by committee. You know, you hear about like you know running back by committee, linebacker by committee. It, the entire defense is going to be a committee. The only there's, there are not many players in this defense that you will see that are three down guys, which is to their detriment, I think. But I think cornerback. We we were talking about this before we started, Justin. Cornerback is by far the most intriguing and um, exciting position group to to watch it develop to watch these guys they're all so young i mean obviously outside of jenkins but they're all so young 
so talented from, you know, from what we can tell. Um, they all seem to really have a competitive, a, a real competitive fire to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think of even guys like, like, uh, uh, Ballantine and, you know, these guys, I did, I think from like one to five, there's just a lot of hope for this group. And I think Gettleman and co understand that Shermer, I should say Shermer really should be the one understanding that if you've got five capable corners, you really can never have enough solid corners. They will find place to plug these guys in. They will find the way that they tick the way that they work the best. You know, I could see a lot of Jenkins at one, Beal at two. Uh, Who's the nickel? Because here's the issue. You have Grant Haley and you have Julian Love. Uh, we, we could talk about Julian Love in just a second when we get to the nickel guys. But this is kind of like the issue of who's the number two corner because DeAndre Baker isn't really a nickel guy. So yeah. that's why this is that's why this is such an interesting conversation because it's not like you could just say, oh, we'll just throw DeAndre Baker at that's nickel. Great. Yeah, so. because they've got they've got different style corner. That, that's I think that's what's so interesting about them is, is there's so many different styles of guys at corner. They did a nice they've done a nice job really setting themselves up. I would probably say love becomes the nickel. I would say also like again, you're gonna see a lot of these guys and you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of them consistently. By the end of last year, who are we sport who are we throwing out of corner? By the uh, end by the end of last year. I don't want I don't want to talk about it. Uh bad and worse you got, web. You got you got <laughs> bad and worse. That just clicked. I just understood what you meant by that. That's yeah. funny. You're going to see these guys. They're all going to develop. And I think Betcher especially will find where they all fit. Yeah. There's How a, it's, it's this, it's the same thing like in baseball, you know, where people like to get all hype about the opening day lineup. It oh, doesn't matter. It really it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter because there's going to be how many other more plays and how many other more games and how many more packages that you're going to see. So that opening lineup, who's out there, you know, the first play of the game or who's getting the start. Um, it's inevitably going to change, and this is why depth is so fun. Um, I want to give some. I want to give some numbers on Sam Beal. Okay. Um, Paul, a, a critique that a Paul had last episode is that he's worried about some of the Giants' secondary not being big enough, not being physical enough. Mm-hmm. Sam Beal is six one, which is a good size for corner. Um, he's one eighty five. Um, I'm interested to see if maybe he put some weight on while he was recovering from the injury last year. He had a four point four forty yard dash. His Quarterback rating when thrown oh, yeah. to, when targeted, was 35.2, the lowest passer rating in the MAC on throws into his coverage in 2017. So a scout's take, um, Doug Rush, he said Sam Beal is the best supplemental draft pick since Josh Gordon. Hmm. So that's a so that's a scout's take, and, and the numbers, the numbers back up back Sam up. Beal. So really, I like how you said that it's kind of his job to lose because the Giants did put a third-round draft pick into him. Granted, the Giants put a first-round draft pick into DeAndre Baker, but also Sam Beal has had a year with the playbook. Yeah. He's had an entire year. And you know the word around Giants camp is that Sam Beal has not missed a step. He's not playing from behind, and that's fantastic. That's the thing that you want to hear. Sam Beal knows that playbook. He's familiar with it. Now it's just going out and getting those physical reps now that he took a year full of mental reps. So it's a good sign. It's his job to lose. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. All these guys got to stay healthy. You know, Maybe the hope and maybe for the future is that this is probably Janoris Jenkins' last year. And Sam Beal can slide over, or DeAndre Baker could slide over, and they can uh, complement each other and be number one cornerbacks together. And so you know, I think we really, we, I'm sure as the season gets closer, we can focus on this more. 
But what a good secondary can do for your defense, it, it really it can't be understated. And I think you really saw that in their draft plan clearly this year. Right. You just keep adding corners, keep adding adding secondary depth, and they did. Then they've continued. They continued that trend throughout the offseason with different moves. You know, bringing in Peppers, bringing in Bethea. They understand what what a secondary can do. Think back two years, uh, three years ago, rather, Justin. Right, that defense was dominant. The 2015 Giants defense was fantastic. 2016. 2016. It all started from the secondary position. The linebackers were not they were not strong. No, Jonathan Casillas and Keenan Robinson. Giants linebackers have not been strong for years. Devon Kennard. Decade. And the D-line really wasn't fantastic. I mean, Snacks certainly was a was a complete difference maker, but JPP was weak. He he was not JPP. You still saw you still saw a lot of coverage sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think that that year that secondary was fantastic, and yeah. I I think when people get on the Giants and are assuming the Giants are going to be as bad as they've been, because their defense is shaky and they and they they might be sporting out Tay Davis and they're going to be they really don't have an edge rusher and they don't have you know a primary edge rusher. I think people ignore how much a I, I that the secondary needs to be borderline dominant, but how much a very above average secondary can cover a lot of the issues yeah. in the front seven. Yeah. And we, uh, we talked about that last episode where we looked at the Patriots. We looked at the chiefs and the fact that they put so much stock into their secondary. And the fact that, you know, you look at the Patriots trading away Chandler Jones, letting Trey flowers walk. They do these things for a reason because they have the pieces in their secondary. Um, and that's how they're building their defense. And then, Basically, it's, you know, the rest of the defense is going to fall into place starting from there. So um, I want to talk about Julian Love a little bit. I think he has more of an upside at nickel cornerback. I know the numbers are really good on Grant Haley. He was sneaky good. Like I was really, I was looking at the Grant Haley. I did not think he was that good. And I guess sometimes like a corner because, you know, the game of football and the camera, it follows the football, right? It yeah. goes where the football goes. And the fact that, you know, if you don't see Grant Haley a lot making plays, making tackles down the field, I guess that's kind of a good, it's kind of yeah, a good absolutely. thing. You know, if you, you know, if you see Eli Apple getting picked on on go routes where you're obviously going to see that, and then you're obviously going to talk about Eli Apple, or if you're going to see, you know, Curtis Riley missing a wide open tackles and wide open plays, and then you're, you're going to talk about that as well. So, um, but Julian Love, I think he has the bigger upside compared to Grant Haley. And I know they're both young, and I know they're both, uh, you know, highly, you know, stouted draft picks in, in their own ways. But Julian Love showed great, tremendous growth through his three years at Notre Dame. Um, he was an All-American um, as a freshman. However, he didn't really have, like, the best of seasons at for, for a freshman, as a freshman, especially compared to what he did during you know his sophomore and his junior years, he ended up with an overall pro football focus grade of 90 in 2018. He has a school record in pass deflections while also breaking the single season record for pass deflections. Um, something that I find significant is that the knock on Julian Love is that, oh, he's undersized and he's not that fast. So the fact that he is able to you know, flip his hips. That's kind of like the quote that's thrown around by like the scouts. And the fact that he's able to, his change of direction, his ability to flip his hip, flip his hips uh, downfield as a cornerback 
being able to, and also being able to make a play on the ball, locate the ball when your back is turned, and then also being competitive in all aspects of the game. This includes tackling. This includes your ability to, again, make a play on the football. He has all those things, and those natural abilities that he has covers up the lack of size and the lack of speed. So why he's going to be successful as a nickel cornerback as opposed to um, a regular cornerback on the outside is because he primarily, his weaknesses were against receivers of bigger size. So where you saw him get beat, you saw him in a Stanford game, there was a fade route to the back of the end zone. He got, you know, out physical. Is that a, is that a phrase? Uh, no, sure. no, it's we, not. Why not? It For sure. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, I I just made it one. uh, I'm going to make my own glossary of football definitions. He got out physicaled, beat from a bigger wide receiver. So that's why people say that he's going to work best at slot, uh, at nickel corner, as opposed to an outside corner. I mentioned everything I wanted to mention about Julian Love, how he has a bigger upside. So that's what we say. We say it is Sam Beal's job to lose. DeAndre Baker is going to be constantly in rotation. You never know about health. Um, Julian Love has the bigger upside at nickel corner, and not to say that Grant Haley's bad. Grant Haley is probably going to get the start from the, the, the start from the beginning, and these guys are going to be in rotation. And also, I want to mention about uh, Ballantine. Ballantine's going to be the Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Ballantine's going to be rotating from safety. He's you know, Bethay is kind of getting up there. He's going to be rotating in safety. He's going to be rotating at corner whenever we need an extra body there. So Ballantine's going to be the Swiss Army knife where he's going to be playing anywhere and everywhere. So and again, like yeah. you said, as much as I hate to to say, it's just it's it's the reality of the game. If you think you're getting through the through the season with all you know seven or eight of these secondary guys healthy, you're you're on something. So. At some point, one of these guys is going to go down, and one of the guys are going to, have to step up behind him. So, so having depth at the corner spot is really can't be understood how important it is. All right, we're running a little long on long. time, but I but I want to but I want to keep going. Um, quickly, 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 quickly. BJ Goodson, Tay Davis. We got questions about linebacker spot. Um, and this is from this is from Danny Boy King. He mentioned some other names, but I primarily want to. Ryan Conley, I think, is a little bit more of a project. I don't know how much I don't know how much we're going to see of him this year. Um, if, if if we're unhealthy, we're going to see a lot of him. And there's a lot of good traits. There's a lot of good qualities of his game. Um, but I kind of just for the purposes of time, I want to stick with BJ Goodson, Tay Davis, how they're going to, to complement each other throughout this entire year, which I hope they do. B.J. Goodson was rated as one of the most efficient tacklers by Pro Football Focus in 2017. Small sample size. Uh, I think he gets a bad rep because he struggled with his health so much, and last year was technically his first full healthy season. Mm -hmm. I've loved him. I've loved him since he came out of Clemson. I've loved him since I watched him in camp. He's really, really physical. I think he's really, really smart. I think he could shed blockers a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently, but dude makes plays. Dude knows how to tackle in a game against the Titans last year where everybody forgot how to tackle. BJ Goodson actually was the one who remembered how to tackle, and you could see a few plays that he made in that game and where Derrick Henry almost looked like he was fucking um, Earl yeah. Campbell out there. But, um, <laughs> oh, look, Titans, Oilers. Oh, good reference. But anyway... <laughs> I think they're going to complement each other. Pro Football Focus did not treat Tay Davis very nicely. They gave him like a grade in the 40s, which is very below average. But his ability is, you know, he's known for being a cover guy. But you even saw 
a good ability for Tate Davis on making plays on the football in terms of his tackling ability as well. So I think they're going to complement each other. I don't think it's really a guy that's going to – Alec Ogletree is going to be your number one guy, right? But, yeah. you know, who's going to start at the middle line – at the inside – at that second inside linebacker spot? I hope it's just – you know, like you said, David, I hope it's a rotation because they both bring their own strengths to a football team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, pro- I would probably lean towards saying Tate Davis will get the start would get would be considered the number one because of Ogletree's at times struggle to mm-hmm. cover. I think they'll want to make up for that. Um, you know, on first down, they'll want to make up for the the lack of coverage ability because he's because you know Ogletree's not a bad tackler and and he's definitely more of a run stopper than he is a a, a coverage guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Davis plays the opposite role. The same way that Davis plays the opposite role to um BJ Goodson. I think BJ Goodson is closer to an Alec Ogletree clone than he is to a Tay Davis. So I think going along with the same uh, line of logic, Justin, which is you got you got guys with different talents, rotate them. I think the idea is there's no reason unless you know for a, for you know for a fact if you get if you get a, a you know if you're first and goal at the one, first and goal at the two. Well, sure. Then I think you see. I think you're you're gonna see BJ Good, you know, you're gonna see Goodson come in the game, and because you need you want the ability to tackle tackle between the hashes. But if we're talking, you know, regular first and ten, I think you're gonna want the guy who who can cover and the guy who can stop the run. There's no point in putting two cover guys out there. There's no point in putting two two you know pure run stoppers out there. And it also, again, depends on game situation i think what i think the main point of of both the corner conversation and this the linebacker conversation is what the giants have at least allowed themselves to do at this point is play around they've got a puzzle and it's now a matter of seeing how the pieces fit there's no specific these are your these are your three guys these are your two guys these are it's a lot of guys with different talents and it's a matter of making the mesh and if betcher can do that then i think this could be a successful defense all right, um, we're gonna push. Uh, all right, I feel so bad for Bobby because I, I, I know Bobby listens. Um, Bobby likes to listen to pretty much all Giants podcasts just to, just you know, to get that difference of perspective. I, I hope, I hope you like us, Bobby. But he asked the question: third wide receiver. Um, we're not going to go in depth. I have all these notes, and I do want to well, go in depth. I think he wants the he wants odd man out, right? Oh, odd man out. Oh, we could just answer that right now. Odd sure. man out. Um, but I want to go in depth as to why, and I want to go in depth to the pros and cons of each wide receiver because I've I've done that uh, more than I've done for the cornerbacks and the linebackers. Um, so maybe we can do that next. We can do that. That'll be one of the first things we do next episode because I think it's such a I think it's a pretty cool conversation on who is best for the offense. So um, who's the odd man out, David? We'll ask this: Who's the odd man out, and who has the most upside as the third wide receiver? So Corey Coleman. Cody Latimer, Darius Slayton, Russell Shepard, and also Benny Fowler. So can't forget about Benny Fowler. Um, I want to ask you, and then also remember the fact that we have so many more wide receivers on this roster and that wide receivers sometimes pop out of nowhere. So these aren't just the five that we're working with here. We're working with more, but we don't really know them that well. So send it over to you, David. Okay, so I would generally say, let me just run through each one really quick. So I would say, Cody Latimer, out of all of them, is my favorite. I think people forgot that he has a lot more ability than I think he was able to show last year. He he was not healthy for much of the year. Um, he gives them something that they at least in the top and you know at their top tier receiver guy you know receivers they lack. 
which is a big body on the outside. That's something that I, I think he, he, he brings to them. And I don't think they're going to want to lose that. There were points last year where I think he showed, he showed ability. He showed some flashes. It's about health for him. And, mm-hmm. and I, and it's funny cause I, I just looked at it and I saw in, in our notes for the episode, you put health, health, health. Yes. Has been the name of the game for Cody Latimer. So, so I definitely think there's no way that he finds himself as the odd man. Now I, as a matter of fact, think he'll see himself as, as number three. Uh, to give a little spoiler to what we're talking about next year, uh, next week, I would say Slayton is definitely in. Um, you're not gonna, he's not gonna find himself as an odd man out. Similar reason to Latimer in terms of his size. I think he brings some different aspects to the game than Latimer does, but you're not going to find uh, a rookie, a rookie receiver, a draft pick receiver is not going to find himself as an odd man out, especially on a team that lacks size. Yeah, no, and and if you want to talk about biggest upside. Slayton has the biggest upside out of Absolutely. all these guys. You know? Absolutely. For, for me, it then comes down to it, it comes down to Russell Russell Shepard and Beanie Fowler. And I know you Coleman's in. Me. Coleman's in, I think, for his ability to, to return kicks. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's the only reason why he's in. Which is not a knock on him. I just think that's that's more where his game is suited. I mean, last year, I ha- I'm you know, last year the special teams as a, as a complete whole, and I think you and I talked about this towards the end of the year, we were looking for silver linings on the year. Both of us said the special teams took a, a massive upgrade. Oh yeah. In, 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 in pretty much across the board in the, in, in the kicking game, in the kick coverage game, in the kick returning game. Goodbye. Kevin Quinn. Is that his name? No, I'm uh, sorry. Tom Quinn, Tom Quinn, Tom Quinn. Yes. How many coaching regimes did that man go through? And the giant special team sucked for so many years. He went through, he went through like three different coaching regimes. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but anyway, yeah, um, they didn't prove. He's actually st- he's actually still like affiliated with the organization. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, he's, we ta- he, we he is still this. he is still here. I think that's one of the most fascinating. Like, I I want to aspire to be Tom Quinn in my life. <laughs> I want to be like just do a piss poor job, but still just be dragged Hang along on. everywhere the organization goes. Um, so I would say that that is that that is Corey Coleman's spot on the team is his ability to return kicks. Benny Fowler's out. My man, I would I would lean towards Russell Shepard being out. Kind of like he's had his he's had his time with the team, and he really has not separated himself all that much. Justin, you put out a tweet uh, yesterday or two days ago, and I and I caught it uh, about Beanie Fowler, and I know you you love you love you some Beanie. I do um, right now. I'm loving Benny Fowler, and I, I took it upon myself then to look at his to, to look at his game log, and you know you're right. He kind of did a lot in limited opportunities, um, and I think it's the kind of thing where you're going to see him a little bit more. Again, I th- I think again similar to the defense, this offense is going to be a lot more wide for the receivers. It's going to be more of a mishmash group of receivers to throw out there. Don't be surprised if you have games where four or five different guys have over four catches. You know, yeah. I, I think that's where this team is going. So I think Russell Shepard finds himself on the outside looking in only because I, I think the experience actually hurts him because you know what you've got there. Yeah, and he, he's, he's been in the league since 2013. Exactly. And, and you know, you know what you've got in Corey Coleman. His experience helps him because he separated himself in an aspect. Fowler, 
you saw him in limited time, but he, he showed a lot of potential. He showed a lot of growth. Slayton is a rookie. You're not going to lose him. And Latimer, I think, just has too many intangibles that the team needs. So I think it's, I think it's Shepard. Yeah. I, I would also really appreciate it being Shepard because I'm tired of there being two Shepherds at the wide receiver position. Yeah, that is confusing, isn't it's it? It's confusing and it's annoying. Okay. Whew, yeah, I've been on a I've been on a Benny Fowler binge lately, looking at his Denver Broncos tape and really getting excited over that. I know he's had some drop issues, but he's also made some really cool catches. I know he's had some health issues along with our friend Cody Latimer. Um, Benny Fowler played in ten games last year, had a catch in nine of them. Kind of crazy. He also started in five games. If you put a gun to my head and you said, <laughs> "Did Benny Fowler start?" one football game last year for the New York football giants. I would have said no, um, but again, you know, start, like who starts a game is very like weird in the NFL yeah. because so many different guys can go out and play. You could start a game and play in five plays, um, but neither here nor there. Odd man out. I see this is where I go back and forth because God forbid golden Tate, Sterling Shepard go down. I don't know if you want to throw a guy who's six, one, six, two, and who runs a four, five, 40. Who's ha- who have health? Who has health issues out there as your kind of like slot guy, as your multi versatile slot receiver? So that's why obviously Corey Coleman stays on the team because of his kick returning abilities, and he also can catch the ball a little too. But this is where I feel like Russell Shepard has a place on this team because he's another backup to Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. But also at the same time, I feel like the third wide receiver position is so valuable because. Another outside guy who's somewhat of a big body, this team could really use. So having three of those guys, this this leads me to say that Benny Fowler probably is the odd man out. Even though I love him, I don't know if he's going to outplay Cody Latimer. I think Cody Latimer is, in a way, he's a walking health problem yep. where he's played. Like let me let me get the let me get the numbers up here. Ten games in 2016, nine games in 2017, eight games in 2018. With fewer games started, he didn't start eight games in 2018, but that Dallas game, man, that Dallas game just sticks out in my brain and how he absolutely owned that game. And he put the team on his back with those one-handed catches that he had. And Eli delivered dimes too, but I mean, the receiver has to come up with the ball too. So that's kind of like in my brain for Cody Latimer that says, I really want him to be the third wide receiver. Um, Corey Coleman offers a lot in the return game. And of course we, we have him for depth if Shep or Golden Tate goes down, but also it's like, I'd love my man, Benny Fowler, but at the same time, how many guys do we need on this football team? That's over six foot one, six foot two. So that's where I am. We could talk about this more. We can talk about this more in depth. Um, we are running long. David, do you want to have any final thoughts? Uh, we might need to have two episodes a week. Once, once the summer kind of gets going for, especially for you, we might we might have to have two episodes a week. I, I would I would really like that. Yeah, yeah. I my my parting thought is um, more of the heart. Uh, Justin, you started off uh, our housekeeping by talking about um, you appreciate the uh, listenership and the interaction that we've been having recently. Uh, our increased our increased numbers recently, and, and what'd you say we, we broke our our forty eight hour listening. Yeah, yeah, and even uh, the previous episode that we had just uh, just you and me is, is is doing well as well, where we are kind of our our in person, where we were in person breaking down yeah. the NFL draft. That's even that's almost up to a hundred plays too. Yeah, so I, you know, uh, 
Justin knows this. You started this podcast before I started coming on. And uh, you you just randomly asked me if I could uh, join you on a Giants episode. And it went fairly well. And, and I, I stuck around. So I, I do appreciate um, the listenership and the, and the increased interaction on Twitter. And I need to be better on Twitter. I'm going to start uh, coming at people a little bit more. Because oh, I really, really enjoy um, making people realize they're wrong on Twitter. Wow, that's 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 mean. I don't do that. I'm nice on Twitter. Uh, not during the season. You're not. Oh, oh well, no. During well, again, that was the angry Justin. I've we're, learned. We're, I've learned that was that was Justin with a lot of testosterone. He was a growing boy. This, <laughs> this is a Justin that's going to be calm. Justin went through some changes. Justin went through some changes. He got the talk. And now he's better and he's going to be very, he's going to be much more rooted in analytics and he's going to be much more rooted in a lot of different things that a lot of, that a lot of different people don't like. A lot of people don't like analytics in football, but I kind of, I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to be in it. Yeah, I know you are, but that's why we, that's why we compliment each other. So, but in all serious, like BJ Goodson and Tay Davis, um, in all seriousness, I do appreciate everyone who's been listening and, and, Please, if you tell, tell one friend, if we have a hundred people listening, and they each tell one person to give us a listen, that's some solid growth, Justin. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it down when we can get it. I'll take it. That's all I got. All right. So uh, we'll be back whenever we're back. Um, we gotta we gotta maybe start getting a set schedule too. That I think that would help. Like just for our brains and for everybody else's brains. If we get a set schedule, like I was in the episode saying, I don't know the next time we'll be back, but we will. Um, we'll maybe try to get the, the two times a week uh, episodes out two times a week, but we won't make any promises because we're young and we have other things going on, but um, keep on bleeding blue. Everybody go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees, go giants, go giants, go giants. Even though we like never will have, we're going to have a Yankees episode eventually, but um, goodbye. Peace. Thanks for listening.